The episode of You Can't Laugh at That that you're about to hear is part two of our two-part episode on murder with special guest Cleveland comedian A.J. DeCosimo. Enjoy the murder. Don't laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Huh? You should have this person locked up and looked at. Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Mers and David Horning on this week's episode. That's what a good joke can do, is it, it um, shifts your focus from one thing to like something totally different on a dime. Right, it doesn't justify the action. No. A good joke, a good joke about something terrible can, I think the comedian at some point conveys, um, I wish I didn't have to make this joke. off but by by dark humor i just think that they 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 can't stomach it because they just don't see what's funny about it because they don't they're they don't have the same repertoire of of things that they find funny or or why things that are absurd is why you laugh i've said this a million times and we just laugh at the more absurd stuff yeah yeah i mean i'll say this when my uh when my aunt got murdered like I, I've written material about that and audiences have like not liked it. And it's like, no, it's okay. It happened to me joking about it is how I got through it. And you know, that is the, like that, that's the thing that made me want to do comedy in the first place. The fact that I found funny in this and that's what helped me through it. It's like, Oh, I can share that with other people. I like, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. The fact that somebody would get offended by that is like a really selfish thing because mm-hmm. it's just like they expect you to react to tragedy the same way they would. That's a good point. You know what I'm saying? What? That's a good point. Yeah, like it's just like like you know, I would have relatives that I still cry. I'm not like a crier at a funeral, right? But like I've had people come up to you like, How are you not crying right now? It's just like that's not how I grieve. I don't know, like doesn't mean I'm not sad. It's just it's just not how I grieve. How fucking dare they ask you that? I've always been worried about that because I don't cry in front of people. I cry by myself. You know what I mean? Like when right. someone dies, it's always by myself. You know what I mean? You just you, yeah. I'm, I've been raised to be like a, a, a somewhat misogynistic, you know, in that sense where not misog, you know what I mean? Where it's no, like feeling. To, to not cry, I think that's part of it. I learned that from my dad, I suppose. But like, it's just weird, though, but, like, I, I hate it when people act like someone doesn't have emotions. It's like, no, I do. It's just private. Right. right. Mm-hmm. It's just like, and I think that there's an element of that going on there. Like, anybody who says that, that like, they don't like that because you're talking about something that affected you personally is the biggest load of horse shit. Oh yeah. It's it's one thing if they said that they don't think it's funny. Yeah. Right. But it's different for them to be like, I don't like that. Yeah. I just don't like that. Like, it's like, you ever notice sometimes critics of kind of like people, 
it, they will, they'll be like, you're not funny. It's like, that's because you don't like me. Like, yeah. I don't mean out of nowhere. I mean, someone who are, we've already established some sort of rift where it's like, all right, this person doesn't like me. I don't like them. We've kind of established that. And then they find out you're a comedian and then they're like, you're not funny. It's like, well, no, you just don't like me, you dumbass. You think I don't know? Yeah, you just don't like me. You just don't like me. So, fuck you. You can't laugh at that. That's a lot of good points. Um, You know, people expect you to grieve the same way they do. Uh, I feel like that would be a a very boring earth. I, for example, uh, when I first started dating, my girl, maybe... I don't know, six, eight months into our relationship, her grandmother died. And my instant reaction was like, laugh. Like, it was like a nervous laugh. But that's how my body responds to, like, unconsciously responds to things like that. Like, I, because my, because I know my defense mechanism is to find the humor in the situation that helps me through it. Um, But sometimes, you know, I don't, I don't read the room and, like, I allow that, that unconscious behavior to, to, like, come out. Um, that's something I need to get better at. But as a, as a comic, like you've got to, it's always about what's funny. Like, what do you find funny here? So if you listen to a podcast episode about a murder and you're like, I want to write a joke about this. Like it has to, you have to find something funny there and then find a way to communicate that connection that you had with what you heard with the audience. Right. But with me, with me, that's not how it, me individually, it doesn't work that way. I'll just take a sentence and I'll just turn it into a thing. I don't go like, I want to write this joke about murder. If it happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. But I, it's, it's weird. I don't like, it's weird how I find inspiration and in things. It's unharnessed. Creativity is completely unharnessed. Yeah, it's for me, like, I look at it like the Oracle of Delphi. I swear to fucking God, it's like the Oracle of Delphi, where you're just kind of like summoning fucking randomness from the ether. And uh, it's it's literally about taking raw materials, rearranging it until it makes something funny. Like like it's weird. Like I just start pulling words down and forming them into a thing. Exactly. Yeah, like, it's so weird. Like a lot of my best jokes just came when I'm just laying there, oh, and yeah. I'm just like, I'm just like tossing a football back and forth. Like I'm not thinking about anything, and then boom, it's there. You ever write a joke when you're like half awake, just about to wake up mm-hmm. and you're like still asleep, but your mind is in such a joke writing because we all write jokes like habitually. So it's something your brain just does and it can do it unconsciously when you're dreaming. It's so weird. And I've Sometimes come up with like, my, good jokes. My brain will write jokes without my permission. And then the second it does, <laughs> I'm like, I can never tell that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never, that's a that's a great joke, but and, but yeah. it's so awful. Like I could never tell that fucking joke, and it but just it. disappears. Save it until our society becomes more tolerant of true art, or shit. Save it until you become a better writer. Like there are some things where right. I, I think of it, and I'm like, that's really funny. I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah, take the um, template yeah. and then switch it with something a little bit more easily palatable unless it's just by its very nature like risque i don't really in my stuff like murder is and i don't know if i was talking to you about this steve but i have like the reputation of being like kind of a dark comic yeah right but i don't 
I have plenty of light stuff. Like if you watch that entire set, there's a lot of light stuff in there. That's not really that dark. You know, you kind of get into a trap yeah. where you, you, sometimes it's, you get so used to dark comedy and you love it so much. Marks is just so much, it hits a better, like you really, it's so much fun, more funny to you than all the light stuff and all the light stuff just seems lame. <laughs> well, it's not just that with me anyway. Like I remember like when I first started coming around and I had some jokes the, the ones that hit the hardest were the dark ones. They were the ones about murder. They were about incest. They were about um, theft or bad things happening to somebody. And they totally missed. And I, everyone would be like, oh, yeah, he's the dark guy. I'm like, well, I have like five really dark jokes. I also have a joke about uh, watching uh, my roommate uh, shit on the toilet. Like, that's not really dark. <laughs> It's a little vulgar and dirty, but it's not dark. I, I, I feel like I have like a reputation of being like a dark writer. And I think some of it just stems because like some of my dark jokes are just bangers. You're kind of gothic too. Oh, well, I wear all black. I, 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 wore, <laughs> I was like that in high school. I wore black all the time. And so now I'm a Tim Burton person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. you're, a, you're a i have dark person. circles under my eyes i'm pale yeah i i saw steve and frank and weenie i mean look <laughs> at me right now <laughs> am i not tim burton you look like a sailor that's about to murder people straight out of sweeney todd <laughs> yeah. yeah you can't laugh at that i mean you say you know your some of your dark jokes are bangers i mean People may attribute that to you because I mean I've only been coming around Cleveland comedy for about two and a half years. So, but I've seen you like I remember some of the darker. Jo- I wouldn't classify you as a dark comic, but maybe it's because some of those darker jokes are, are more like memorable because of their content. Yeah, yeah. Just- I mean, and and I I accept it. Like I take it. It doesn't like yeah. piss me off or anything. But I remember like there'd be people saying like, "Oh, it's just like well, you got to tone it down on the darkness." I'm like. No, it's okay. I'm just gonna keep doing it because I I remember like when I first started coming around, people would be like, "Well, you're never gonna get hilarities. Like you're never gonna be like a feature at hilarities because you're just too dark." I'm like, I don't really care. Like I, I don't I don't fucking I don't care if I ever feature hilarities or if I get on TV. That's not why I do it. I mm-hmm. write the best jokes I think of in the time, and then I go tell those jokes. I care about telling good jokes mm-hmm. and it didn't I, matter. And I stuck to it and I did, I did, I got to open hilarities before, you know, I've got, I've done a lot of cool stuff in the stand up realm. And that's just like one part of, you know, my humor. You know, I have other stuff too. Like if stand up got taken and that's why I felt really bad through this whole pandemic stuff because I know a lot of really funny people, a lot of really talented comics and stand up was all they had. That was their only vehicle. And I felt terrible because I was like, I was still making stuff. I was still writing stuff and pitching stuff and getting published. And I just felt so bad for people. They're just like, it's just stand up like 100%. And it just, I don't know. I just felt terrible. It, it made me really sad that there were a lot of really funny people that didn't get to be funny during this. 
because they yeah. didn't have another mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got to find, yeah. I mean, there's an infinite number of ways to, to share your sense of humor with people. Um, right. I mean, I made videos. Um, yeah. You, you know. podcast, you, you're doing a podcast right yeah. now. You know, and that's the thing. I think I hope that this teaches people to develop a secondary skill. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. know, stand up as much as possible, but you have to be doing something else. Like um, most people who get into comedy don't end up doing comedy solely as their sole source of income. You know, yeah. I mean, we look we look up at the Dave Chappelle's. We look up to the you know the. Um, you know, the Anthony Jesselnicks who like, that's their thing. Like they can make a good living doing stand up comedy. Most people that are really talented comics don't do that. They do other things like, and it's just, you know, podcast, you know, write lit humor. Like you could do that from anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you know, uh, make short films like Steve, you're involved in film. And I write sketches too. We've worked with each other. You filmed mm-hmm. some of my sketches. Yeah. Written. And it's just like, I, you know, keep your fingers in as many sauces as you can because the goal shouldn't be, I want to be a famous stand up. The goal should be, I want to do comedy in any venue as long as I can. That's why I don't care about marketability so much. I am a little bit torn these days on being careful about how I go about growing something because I'm still kind of planning that out in a sense. But like, I, I would rather stay true to myself and I care more about art. And that sounds really schmoozy, but I, like I, I care more about art than I do about pleasing the lowest sure. comedy. Yeah. I don't give a fuck if I ever get a Netflix special. That's not why I started doing stand up. I do want to appeal to producers. I do not want to appeal to the common person. The producers yeah. know better about what is marketable than the common person, and they know how to aim that in the right direction, or at least I'll never. And to, to add to that point, I'll never like. Okay, so you can ask a fan whether, like, somebody who's not a comedian, right? Mm-hmm. If a joke's funny or not, and they can give you a yes or no answer. Because at the end of the day, like, that's who the who the people that we do stand up for. We're not. We don't do stand up for. <laughs> Right. 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 So like a a, a non-comic can tell you yes or no, but a comedian can tell you why it's not working. Anytime a fan or a a non-comic tries telling you why a joke isn't funny, it's just like, they're just full of shit. They're just making shit up. Yeah. Because they don't fucking know how it works. Like, and I know that that's kind of ridiculous to say, Cause it's not like I think if you're a non-comic, you're a stupid person, but I'm not going to walk into a, a, I go into a garage because I know my car's broken, right? I know my car is broken. I have no clue how to fix it. So I take it to a pro, you know, yeah. I, does that make sense? Am I oh, kind yeah. of veering off yeah. topic here? I'm always open to feedback. Um, but I mean, you got to be careful who it's from. I mean, the, the person that said, you know, you'll never be able to work hilarities. It's just like, if I stay true to what I'm doing, to, to why I'm doing this in the first place, which you've reiterated over and over again, is to make people laugh. 
Uh, yeah. Regardless of what that avenue is, if you're true to yourself, you'll you'll do it. You'll figure it out. Um, so so for somebody to say, you know, you can't work at Hilarity's, like that's their opinion. Um, right. And, and, you know, and, and honestly, and even if they were right, and even if they were right, I don't care. I have just as much fun doing East End or yeah. any other mic. Like I don't care as long as I get five somewhere. As long as yeah. I get ten somewhere. Like I don't care. Like that's not why I do it. And I'm just kind of like, I'm just thankful people just give me five minutes. And then they ask me to be on their podcasts. I'm just some fucking idiot that, that, that is kind of good at something. Yeah. And has found some, you know, uh, that's gotten lucky a couple times. Like it's, you know, I just have fun doing it and I don't really care about anything else. You know, as dark as I may be, or the the weird thing is that I might, despite what I had just said before, was that you know, stand up has suppressed my original writing style. You should see the stuff that I've combed through. That was from twenty thirteen and twenty twelve. It's all <laughs> stuff that I still think is hilarious, but it's just not jokes. It's just weird shit, and it's stuff I think is way funnier than the stuff I but. You know, despite being somewhat unmarketable, uh, or you know, like I'm not necessarily hilarity's material. I think I could be, but I'm not quite there. The thing is, like, the stuff that I still do is stuff that audiences laugh at, though normally. So it's like it's somewhere between my real true self and me being squeaky clean or safe. Right, and like at the end of the day, Steve, everyone knows how good you are. Like everyone knows you're a great comic. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't disconnect between that and then like Sam being like, Hey, you want to work here a lot, which I don't really want to do either, but it's like, I would take it, but it's like, I would rather be ready for that because I'm just not so sure about the demographic that comes in there connecting with my type of material. It's, I got to fix it. I've got to do something to it to make it palatable. I don't know what it is, but right. You still got to be, I mean, you get, you still got to be true to yourself, you know, when you, you can do deliver that material, you can deliver, you can still make the same points, but it, you know, you, it's you know, that connection and being true to your, your, yeah. Yourself. I think with the right audience, I think Sam just sees me not have a ton of confidence there because of it. It's a vicious cycle of me not having the, me expecting that audience to just not get me. And so that makes me lack the confidence that keeps me from doing well there. And, I've conquered that in the side room, but not in the main room. So, mm. well, point. I mean, you you know, I mean, I think you're fantastic, and Dave thinks you're fantastic. Like my my cat Fran loves you, yeah, and you know that, yeah, I do. Yeah, so it's just like I mean, there are other. I, I don't partic- I don't know. Like I'm not I said, worried about hilarities. Like that's literally yeah. the least of my worries. Like I, like I know, I know my worth and I'm going to do with it what I want to do. And I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. Oh, fucking laugh factory fucking loved me. I crushed there. And that like, was my first time there and I was nervous and I still did really well. Uh, and I went up first after the host bomb for 10 minutes and it made me go, wait, what the fuck? People do like me. I just need to be in the right place. Man. So yeah, sure. I think expectation is key too. Like if you go into a room and you're like, Oh, I feel a bomb coming on. 
And then you reiterate that to yourself subconsciously. You're like, it's going to happen because you're going to carry yourself differently because like you've already expected it and pictured it. Like, yeah, I think every time I go up on stage, I think I'm going to bomb. Yeah. Every single time. I don't think I've ever seen you bomb. I've, I've bombed. I've bombed. Yeah. It's not a good feeling, but it's like, I train myself to think that way. So I don't, it's not that I train myself to think that way. It's I legitimately think that way because I know how hard this is to do mm. and to do it well that I'm not, I don't underestimate. I have, to, I, I, it, I use that fear. I, I guess. You have imposter to, syndrome. What is that? What that is? Well, kind of. Oh yeah. I, I you're, you're, you're the opposite of a guy that goes up there. I got a ton of confidence, not funny at all. Yeah, but they're just like, tough. yeah, I'm fucking great. Look how fucking funny I am. Why is nobody laughing at me? <laughs> like, wow. What? Yeah. I mean, I like, I know that I have ability, like I'm not ignorant to that. Um, but I also know how easy it is to stop being funny. Yeah. I know how easy it is to get into a writer's block. I know how easy it is to bomb if you're not on it. And I don't want to be in those situations. So I use that to propel me. Us creatives are serotonin deficient. Is that true? Uh, I think there's definitely a seed of truth to that. I am joking and that's a hyperbole, but uh, by lack of serotonin, I mean we're worried, we're anxious, we're depressed. We lack serotonin, but yet we're creative people too. What's sad about that or ironic is that I would be so much more funny or creative or look prolific if I just had a ton more serotonin. If I was happy all the time, I would just be on like fucking fire, but I'm just not. I'm just like depressive. Mm. It's so. a double-edged sword. You need other people for that serotonin. I'm just moody. I'm not an asshole. I'm just moody and I've got issues like... <laughs> Luckily, they're not serious. They're actually very mild, but they're enough to throw me off. You know, they're significant enough to to hinder uh, performance performance art. But other than that, like, I'm actually a very happy person generally. So, just anxious. I'm very anxious. That is true. Yeah, I'm a. F- I I'm a. I'm I very anxious as well. No. I always think the world <laughs> is like going to collapse. <laughs> oh yeah, that's me too. Do those tendencies color your material? I mean, both of this, this is a question for both of you guys. Me real quick, yes. Okay. Wait, wait, repeat that question one more time. Do those tendencies, like being worried, anxious about the world, do they color your material? We like, have fatalist material. Of, yeah. Our material, my material is very fatalist. In a sense, because, well, I write jokes so I can like it calms me Mm -hmm. like I'm just like okay I'm just gonna go do the thing that I know I can do right now like it's like it's really the writing humor is the one area and aspect of my life I feel like I have the most control Mm -hmm. like I don't feel like I have control when I'm on stage and I have a mic like I don't feel I'm in control when I do stand up. That doesn't stand up doesn't calm me. It makes me more nervous. But 
the actual process of writing a joke or writing a piece or writing a sketch calms me because it's like, I'm alone. I know I can do it. And I know that there, there, this is a moment where I can just be me. And the only judgment I'm going to get is mild criticism. You know what I'm saying? Like you cannot like my work, but you guys have seen me do and you've read stand up and you've read my stuff. My stand up and my my humor is not a reflection of who I am. It's all made up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I don't treat comedy like a confessional. It's not my place where I go to get things off my chest. I actually the older I get the more I gravitate away from that. Um I'm I'm not Interesting. Yeah, I it's it's the actual process of it um calms me. <laughs> It makes me feel it's like, it's like taking my brain to a spa. Yeah. I yeah. feel the same way. I feel the same way. Um, for me, it's, I like to take things that don't make sense or that piss me off or that are bothering me or that, you know, are like getting in my way. Like, for example, like when I got sick, I, the mo- the minute like, I like to be optimistic about it. I like to make fun of how it is right now. And then like, why isn't it like this or why are we doing this when we could be doing this other thing that makes way more sense? Um, and I'm, so the more and more I'm writing, the more and more I'm finding that. And it's just about the process of like finding your voice. So would you, um, uh, would you say that this evolution is more you getting comfortable as a, as a comedy writer as like you're finding your voice? This is me more getting comfortable as a human being. There was a long time where I didn't know really, this is just, this has become a part of my identity and a part of who I am. It's a, it's, it is a part of self-discovery, but it's more like, like you could look at a Pollock painting, right? It doesn't really look like anything, right? Like, like it just, it looks like dots on, on a board, right? But it does mean something, even though some people can't see it. It's an exercise in technique. Um, and that's what I do. Like it's, it just, it, it, I do it's, it is writing humor is therapeutic for me, but, and it also isn't, it identifies me as well. Like it is a part of who I am, but it doesn't reflect the person I am. Mm. It's, it's this thing that I do, but it's not who I am 100% of the time, but it makes me feel good. I know that's kind of really complex and weird. It's therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there has to be that, that nuance to it. Uh, you can't be on all the time. Like that's, yeah, I feel like that's detrimental. <laughs> it's yeah. Statistic. yeah if, if you're not just like sociopathic or whatever, the like just manic or something, which, you know, other than that, yeah, it's, it's just not likely that you'll, you just can't be on all the time. Right. Like I can't, no. I, I don't go into a funeral. And I'm like, Hey, you know, it's funny about the way this person died. <laughs> like, right. I no. yeah. The yin and a yang. Yeah, it is. And it's, um, I don't know. So I guess to answer your question, it's, I do it. Um, because it does call me like some people just like do those adult coloring books. Mm-hmm. I yeah. go and I, I write, um, about all the other things Alanis Morissette could have uh, had her pocket in, you know, uh, hand, yeah. her other hand could be doing work. 
I, I only came up with one for that. Um, I don't know. I, I love that song. Just all the places your hand could be. But <laughs> I got one hand in my pocket and the other one is stuck in a behind. <laughs> stuck in a behind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blowing <laughs> away. So Guys, come get me. Bye, Steve. I'm blowing oh, no. away. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's how we should end every episode. Laughing. Back to murder. Keeping it light here. There, there's an unpredictability to it. Um, it's something that yeah. like shouldn't shouldn't happen. And I think that's why there's a lot of uh, pushback when you start to like joke about something like that on stage. Um, it's one of those like it's an unnatural thing. And but but here's the thing: like if you bring up death, people it, that is a natural thing, and people don't want to hear about it. So right. murder. Um, it is disturbing. Right. There's a there's a reaction to it, and. Uh, and I found a clip. This was uh, last last week. I found this clip, uh, AJ, when when we when I first reached out to you about jumping on this podcast, and uh, I found this clip. And it turns out our guest last week, uh, this comedian Greg Stone, was uh, Freddie G, who was our guest last week. Uh, his men- like one of his mentors, which I thought was pretty uh, okay. pretty ironic. But uh, this is what happens when murder takes you by surprise. Um, it's a to introduce this clip, it's from the Comedy Cellar. Um, he he's doing crowd work, and uh, we'll just let the the clip speak for itself. So, Jeremy, if you want to pull up that Greg Stone bit, I want to cancel R.L. Stein. <laughs> he hasn't had kids have sex in it. Yeah, uh, I got a fucked up family. I think I think I'm done with him. Anybody else a fucked up family? Yeah, you guys, you guys got a fuck you. What's your what's your fucked up family? Super. Uh, Crazy? Were they crazy? Are they religious? Are they right wing, left wing? Just nutcases? I, I feel like it's too heavy for a comedy show. Oh, okay, it might be, but you have piqued my interest. <laughs> give me a taste. Give me a taste. Give me a taste. I'll I'll make it funny no matter what it is. Oh. We'll see. <laughs> oh, I don't I don't even know how to frame this. Uh, my mom left my dad, and then he murdered her. Make it funny. Oh. <laughs> one, did he did he do it like this? I'm gonna be honest. I did not see that coming. I'm gonna be. I mean, you said that. I was like, what could it be? A fucking murder? I did not see that coming. Probably like you. Okay. Whoa, that joke almost went. <laughs> I was, are you are you over it? Is it a long time ago? This is called digging a hole. Dig yourself in a hole. What could it be? It was a murder. How can I get out? Maybe talk about how her dad was okay. Well, that was uh, that was a fun one. I'm so I don't want to, but thanks for sharing. Thank you for sharing. That was I'm not like that was crazy. I I did not see it being that fucking heavy. No, you did great. This was on me. I was like, I'm going to do this. What? What? What is she going to say? Ah, oh, my family is uh, really into Jesus. No, they were incredibly far away from being into Jesus. Oh, are you? Are you married? No. Yeah, don't be. I don't like to stay single. Get a gun. Okay. You're okay. Is this okay? By the way, I hope this isn't. You're smiling. I'm like getting a good vibe. Okay. All right. I'm going to move on. No, but look, she's having a great time. I think we're having a great time, right? 
She would have given me a face. She would have been like, you never fuck with someone whose parents are killers. So like, the, <laughs> no, I'm not owing. This is a no thing. I'm, okay, I really am going to move on. Um, but I will say this. I'm going to tell this story for the rest of my life. It's a story of the most insane crowd work that I've ever done on ever, ever. You warned me too. You warned me. You were like, don't. And I was like, mm, daddy's gotta. Daddy's, and you, you literally pulled out a fucking straight full house. The greatest hand in crowd work ever. And I was like, can't beat that. I had two, I had two kings. She had fucking royal flush. Well, I'm gonna, uh, good. Yeah, my family's just religious, so I'll get into those people. Just wanna maybe talk about that a little bit. Oh boy. Yeah, my dad's a psycho. I was gonna say, the next line in this joke is my dad's a psycho. I feel bad saying that now. <laughs> You're great. Um, is that my time? I hope so. Uh, no. <laughs> No, no, I, I started this, I started this fucking shitstorm three minutes into my set. <laughs> um, yeah, no, my dad, my, my stepdad is a nut. I, um, it's not that bad. I actually, I should call him, actually, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, he's really, he did it. You know, he, 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 he could have been a lot worse. I'm going to be honest. He's just, just, I don't think he was raised right. You know, I don't think he was raised right and... <laughs> it's crazy because as a comedian I want everything says move forward but there's 10% that goes you stay here baby you fucking stay here and we we, we find out how and look up the newspaper article anyone can anyone I just want to I just, just, I know can anyone beat that okay just making sure I just want to make sure that someone just like someone just stands up and he's like my dad OJ holy shit you can't laugh at that. How do you respond to that? Say you're doing crowd work and, and you're like, what's, what's so weird about your family? And, and somebody told me their family was, I would react try the same way. I would try to like, try to lighten it up a little bit. Try to be like, hey, all right, your mom getting murdered by your father is funny. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm bad at crowd work though. Listen, I... I have uh, had enough, well, I've had plenty of experiences with crowd work. E either of you have, may, may have seen this where I just get myself into a fucking hole or like something where it's like that. And then I will do the joke that you don't, it's funny, but it's like, I crossed the line just like mm -hmm. he did. He was doing that. I'm like, I've done that a million times and you do regret it. Cause you're like, well, it's, it's, e it's an easy joke, but it still gets a big laugh, but you crossed the line. Because of the yeah, top, like yeah. cross the line to some people. I I don't care, but I do care about how other people. Feel. You know what I mean? Like where it's like. He does a few things uh, with this because, like, he draws attention to the fact that this might go wrong before he even turns it over to the audience. So he says, "We'll see." You know, like this could go wrong. Right. This could go wrong. And then what I think he did the best was he made sure it was okay to keep yeah. moving because obviously if it was ruining her night like first and foremost be funny and if you know you're not doing that <laughs> that's game over it's game over yeah um and, and and that's the key to it right it's just be funny 
be funny. I think some comics have like this, like self-importance, like we are the, the carriers and guardians of the truth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Just go, go up and be funny. I'm not saying don't be like, a lot of artists have this too. Like every time, and it's not just comics, right? But it's like, like I'll hear musicians say things like, oh, music is going to save the world, man. We it's are like, the harbingers of enlightenment. Right. It's like, shut the fuck up. Go and tell me. And I know I I don't want this to come off like I'm saying like a shut up and dribble thing. (laughs) Because that's not what I mean. Like, that's not what I mean at all. Like, but you got to be like really good at doing that. Otherwise, you're just going to fucking come off like you're just this fucking idiot. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't know. Like, um, yeah, I mean, the key is just be funny. That's just, if you can find the humor in it, and that guy, what was his name? Greg Stone. He he did a good job at finding the humor in this horrible thing that happened to this woman, mm-hmm. right? He wasn't going, ha ha, your dad murdered your mom. Good. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. He made it funny, and he made it funny because he punched down on himself. Right. He turned it back. He, he did what, the, what a typical comedian does and makes it about them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He was, he was like, this is now, this is how your parent, your father murdered your mom affects me. Yeah. Like, you made my crowd work really difficult right now. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know. That's kind of, he just and made he, it funny. And every time he felt like he was losing the audience, he just, he brought them back to that fact Yeah. over and over. Like, this is the joke here. The joke is that I'm the idiot who, who dug this. I brought this onto myself. Right. And, and, and he made it part of his material that he was going to do probably for one of the first times. It seemed like I said that, you know, he was trying out, uh, maybe he would get some gold from the crowd work. Like, you know, cause he opened like, anybody else have a crazy family? Right. You know, maybe he would, you know, have a back and forth with somebody and eventually work it into the joke. Who knows? Who knows where it was going? But this immediately derailed it. Just like, just like a murder derails somebody's life. (laughs) Somebody's life. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this, this may be a a, a horrible question. I may be like, but what actually your relationship with murder, like what happened? Well, uh, it wasn't the best thing. Right, um, as but, they should be. Yeah, I turned it. If you don't want to talk about no, it, no, no, I'm super open about it. It's, it. It happened in 2009, so I'm like, you know, I've I've moved. On. I moved on the, the second I was able to laugh about it. I mean, I didn't like move on like I'm some cold cat. Right, I mean, it's always going to be there, right? Right, of course. You know, I would I would rather it had not happened, uh, but I don't think I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing right now if it didn't. Uh, so I don't know. Do you want the long version? <laughs> Do you want? I want the George Lucas director's cut. All right. Um, A long time ago in Akron, Ohio. uh, (laughs) This is how all these uh, stories start, by the way. Star Wars. And then then it gets smaller and it goes into Steve's background. And then uh, the first word is war. Um, Isn't that how they open open the... the, Yeah. 
Revenge of the Sith. I don't know. Anyway, um, so basically what happened was my cousin had a falling out with her mom. Um, She was dating, not her mom, uh, my cousin Taylor was dating... Uh, some guy that he was just a trashy dude, um, super into drugs, like like surrounded himself with just shitty people. And uh, she went and like moved in with him and uh, like wouldn't talk to her mom, wouldn't talk to her mom, wouldn't touch her mom. So her mom hits. Uh, so eventually she hits up her mom and is like, hey, I want to come home. I want to talk to you about this whole thing. Like, come pick me up. I'll, I'll spend the night at your house or whatever. So when she shows up, uh, my aunt shows up, she gets jumped from behind and I uh, stabs her like a bunch of times. Uh, it's funny because Brett Thomas has that joke where they stab the mailbox in it and it's, and it was 16 times, uh, yeah. and 16 Ooh. times of the mailbox. So every time Brett tells that joke, I'm like, Oh, it's my aunt. Anyway. Uh. Um, <laughs> Your your aunt was a mailbox. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, she was stabbed sixteen times, uh, even darker. Wow. Oh, yeah. Who? So, where did your? Who, who did your grandma fuck? <laughs> this was. Uh, <laughs> mm. So I'm sorry. Her daughter was adopted. First of oh, all. Oh. So, okay. So there's that. Um, we we think there were some um, mental deficiencies from a young age. Um, she would, uh, she would like, even in high, like as an 18 year old, she would tell her friends that we could get married because we're not blood related. And I'm like, that's a weird thing to say about your cousin. Uh, we were yeah. cousins. Why don't you not do that? Yeah. So, uh, so that aside, um, turns out she had offered $5,000 of her mom's money once she got the inheritance, once her mom was dead, uh, to her boyfriend's friend to kill her mom. Um, but, <laughs> so this, what's that so this is all just doesn't add up <laughs> no, it's, so it's, it's up. ridiculous it's so yeah. dumb uh, yeah yeah they were just in in the apartment her mom got there so the friend took the biggest kitchen knife went out the back door ran around the back jumped her mom killed her and then ran away and then threw the knife in the woods with his clothes and then went back into the apartment. And then Taylor called the cops and was like, my mom got, my mom just got stabbed. And so the cops came, they knew something was fishy. You can listen to the nine one. They did a snapped episode about it. Um, they, they, uh, you can listen to the phone call on that. And she sounds like she's the worst actress. And within a couple hours, they realized what had happened. Um, yeah, it doesn't take a genius to solve that case. The cops got there and she was like, where are my mom's keys? I want my mom's keys. Because she thought she could just like get in her car and leave. <laughs> like, you know, somebody didn't just get murdered. Not only that, the dude didn't even take the, the purse to make it look like it was just a robbery. Nobody stabs somebody 16 times if they don't know them. Yeah. You know, and right. then not take anything. You know, there's yeah. nobody's just like, the, the, uh, I, I slipped. My bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, it, so... And they found his clothes and the knife like right away. And then they went into the house and the kitchen knife was missing. And they're like, this is, you're a bunch of idiots. So basically (laughs) when we found all this out, the first thing that goes to my mind is like those dumb criminal stories. And so that was the first, like the first layer of levity that I could add for myself to this story to kind of make it more okay for me. Um, 
And as details would come out, it was like, it was just more and more absurd. Like what she offered, what, $5,000? And then the cops um, questioned some of Taylor's friends who she offered like the same $5,000. I'll give you $5,000 if you run my mom over. I'll give you $5,000 if you drop a toaster in the bathtub while my mom's taking a bath. Kind of like legit stuff that she would like, didn't think this through. Um, yeah, it, it, so that's that's where I, I first found the humor in the uh, this whole situation. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that happened to you, David. That's that's uh, yeah, that what happened to your aunt. Sure, it's it wasn't great. Um, but but if there is a silver lining, um, you could totally marry your cousin because <laughs> she was adopted. <laughs> <laughs> it was just all that too. Like, you know, it was just joking that at least she's not going to be at Christmas this year. Right. Yeah. She was always a pain. She always made everything about herself. Um, uh, but I mean, for me, like just being at the funeral and, and knowing what kind of person my aunt was and like seeing so many sad people, that was uh, that was like a cognitive dissonance that, that shook me out of um, the sadness of the moment and really enabled me to see that there is humor in this situation as dark as it might be. And uh, being able to make other people in my family laugh at that time uh, was the clarity that I needed to realize that like, I need to make people laugh for the rest of my life. Like that's, I need that. Um, so that was the moment. That was the moment you wanted to be a comedian. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And because I was in college at the time, I was, I was getting close to graduating with a political science degree and I didn't love it. Um, but I've always loved making people laugh. And that was the moment that realized that, like, you know, you need to be able to do that. If you can laugh and make people laugh at this situation, in the middle of this situation, then you, you're capable of anything, of like making anybody laugh anytime about anything. Um, you know, now I've learned that it's a little more nuanced than that. But, um, you know, that was the moment that I knew that comedy needed to be a part of my life because if yeah if i can break myself out of that moment i want to share that with other people like that was the moment where i was like this like this, like, this can make a difference in people's lives like becoming a politician sure whatever but in this there's a little more freedom and the ability to broach topics like this like i mean when i say like i have that joke where it was like you know i learned at a funeral you know i i was at a funeral that i learned uh that I love comedy, but it was also at a funeral that I learned you can't do comedy at a funeral. And then, you know, just goes into that bit. Like I, I told the joke, um, you know, they, they say that, that tragedy plus time equals comedy. Well, in this case, I learned that my aunt getting murdered plus finding out her daughter did it means awkward Christmas. Like, <laughs> and it's just like saying shit that that just kind of shakes me shakes me out of that moment and that's what that's what a good joke can do is it it yeah. can shift your focus from one thing to like something totally different on a dime right it doesn't justify the action no. a good joke a good joke about something terrible can i think the comedian at some point conveys um i wish i didn't have to make this joke Right. That's, yeah. yeah. And that's how I feel about it too. But because I can, I like, I have to like, there's, you know, when I come up with, with jokes like that, like I have to, I have to share that. Like if I come up with a dark joke, but it's legitimately funny to me and it's like, it connects with the core of who I am as a human. I have to share that. Like I can't not sure. I, I have to find a way to do it where it connects with other people. Sure. But, um, 
yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I saw it, I've seen it. It's in my brain forever now. And I need to share it. Yeah. How come they're not canceling Alfred Hitchcock? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Birds don't I behave have, that way. I want to cancel R.L. Stang. <laughs> he hasn't had kids have sex in his, uh, in his show yet. Or his. Well, if you go down the right, choose your own adventure sometime, you'd be surprised. Where did those get dark? <laughs> Could you imagine you're just reading a Goosebumps book and then... <laughs> Whoops, I took a wrong turn here. It's like, oh my God, what was your ending? It's like, I fucked my dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's classic AJ. You fucked my dad. <laughs> Dude, I love it. So the word dad, the word dad is just hilarious. It doesn't get, it doesn't, word. it doesn't stop being funny. Whenever you're talking about like wrestling your dad or fucking your dad, it's so funny. I do that funny. too much, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about my dad after this. Too soon. I had a pretty traumatic experience with death. Um, last summer. I, uh, I moonlit, I almost got a job at Steve. You may have remembered this. I almost got a job, um, with a funeral home that had a contract yeah. with, uh, the, 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 the city, the city morgue. And my job would be taking bodies from there to the funeral home. Yeah, I did it. For Adam's long. Family shit. What? That's some Adams family shit. Yeah, mm. dude. I You're did already it dressed for, for the long. job. I did it for one day. I'm like, I can't fucking do this, dude. I can't yeah. do this. This is gross. I saw the room that all the unclaimed bodies are stored in. Hmm. I walked. It was fucked up, dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was horrible. That's a weird Uber. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. Oof. Can't even give you a star rating. <laughs> 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 oh man and that was the moment I realized I want to be a comedian for the rest yeah. of my life <laughs> <laughs> too soon things like that like you've got to be able to laugh at that because it is a part of life you know it is part yeah. of the imperfection that is life and to me that's that's what comedy is it's a way to look at you know imperfections in a world where we're striving to be perfect like yeah you know, that's how we cope with the things that don't go the way they're supposed to go. A lot of the good comics remind you that they're not perfect as yeah. well. Yeah. And yeah. in, in that bit that we just watched, I mean, that's, that's what he did the whole time, but he said it yeah. differently each time. For sure. You know, and, go. when my ex-girlfriend died in a car accident, like six months after we broke up, that was pretty traumatic for me, but I was able to go back to dark humor pretty quickly. So it's like that. I mean, you know, like I I know what it feels like to lose someone like you really loved, you know. And it's just like it's traumatic. Like it's so morbid and like that's gross and whatever. But like you know, comedy was just so separate from that. Like I never had an issue reconciling the two. Yeah. See, I find, and that's maybe that's a that's a fault that I have is when something bad happens, the first thing I look for is what's funny. But that's just how I cope with it now. That's what I've learned that works for me. It almost makes me feel, like it makes me feel better. I don't know if that's selfish to say, um, but 
I mean, I'll do it selfish. I mean, I'm still no, sad. Not. I, I'm not like, yeah, this is great. No, it's <laughs> you know, I'm not like, but it's a therapy. Yeah. It's super therapeutic. It's like your, it's like your shrink is the whole audience. Mm-hmm. That's that's everybody's listening to you, and and you're, and, you're they can, and, and you get meds from them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're good enough, that <laughs> yeah, if you're good enough, hey, I got some. I have some. I have some medication. You can't laugh at that. You got to make it okay with the audience. Like that's. That's if you haven't made a connection, like I don't care how good the joke is, you can't just come out and no. like, just drop a, a funeral bomb with the first line. Um, yeah, you know you have to make they have to trust you first and foremost. Especially you know they they have to trust you because they never seen you before. Yeah, so, right. you got to get them quick. Yeah, establish right. who you are. Mm-hmm. Be consistent then. And yeah. that just that goes for life too, guys. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I just ripped it. We all just talked about her- horrendously tragic things. Well, you two had more tragedy than I did. I just had a bad day at a job I didn't want. You guys both <laughs> lost people. You guys both lost people you cared about. We had to deal with a mountain of dead people. It wasn't weird. Yeah, I remember. I remember because I've heard. I've heard Steve talk about the story um, about his ex that that died in that car accident. And I remembered um, we were at my house. I asked him. I was like, "Hey, Steve, have you ever fucked anyone that isn't alive anymore?" He was like, "Yeah, my ex girlfriend." <laughs> And do you remember that, Steve? Uh, Now I do. Yeah, we were at my house, and then I just started laughing. Yeah. I I did that thing that David was talking about, where you just start laughing. Yeah, yeah. You were probably like, oh, Steve, I don't mean to like, I was probably like, I don't care, man. It's okay. Because I'm fucking psychotic. And And I was like, how long ago did that happen? You were like, maybe a year ago. Wow, really? That that must have been right when we first met, because that was five years yeah. ago. Oh, maybe not. Or, well, maybe four years ago, four years ago. But still, but, I mean, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Year, two, three years, it's all kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I don't only the first three months were really tough. After that, other than being, like, physiologically kind of shooken up still, like, or I should say meant, like, you know, like having anxiety yeah. a little bit. But generally, though, I'd gotten over it. So I was like, yeah, fair. Um, yeah, I mean, we all, you know, we all take time. I mean, like in that clip, what, what did she say? It had been three years or two years since it happened. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's traumatic in that, like, you just lost both of your parents, essentially, in one, in one fell swoop. Um, yeah, well, but you lost one more than the other. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You could go visit one, the one. You know, I'm not, I'm not counting. I'm not, I'm not doing math here. Yeah. But you definitely lost one more than the other. Yeah. I remember. And, I um. Yeah, I don't know, man. The dad more so, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I mean, ironically enough, you kind of lost him more. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> 
if that happens, like you, which dad do you remember the most? Do you remember like the good dad that when I was a kid that like pushed me on the swing or the one that pushed my mom off the cl- the bridge or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Did she say how he killed her in that no. clip? Oh, see, no, that's what didn't. I want to know. Yeah, and that's that's what he that's what he joked about. He was like. Most of me says move on, but ten the yeah. comic in me, like ten percent is like I gotta look up the newspaper article, like find out how. Cause like <laughs> like like ninety-five percent of the time it's not gonna be funny, right? Like the, the murder. Yeah. Unless he like dropped an anvil on her head. Right. Yeah, or like a piano. Yeah. That would yeah. be a little Yeah. <laughs> I would be like, wait, how did like, yeah, if it was my aunt, like, wait, what happened to her? Well, right. She paid, offered to pay a guy $5,000 of money she didn't have. Well, that's already funny. Uh, to yeah. drop a piano on her. Yeah, that's right. And then she got piano key teeth. So, hey, which is actually kind of ironic because I'm actually a little in the hole and I could use five grand. So if anybody knows anybody. Baldwin, bitch. (laughs) If anybody, if anybody knows anybody, you know, just let me know. (laughs) Part of that five grand went into that piano, too. It was a grand. The detective's like, hmm, this looks like an Elton John job. <laughs> <laughs> this looks like Elton John. <laughs> and EJJ, dude. Grandpa suspect. Oh, my goodness. Uh, all right. Well, uh, hey, guys. I yeah, think that's a I, great place to. I think, yeah, I was about to say, I up. have some stuff I got to do. Yeah. So. Um, Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, where can we find me. you on social media? Uh, at AJ DeCosmo on Twitter. Okay. And, um, and you can follow me on Snapchat as well. Where you'll get like me, videos of me covered in shaving cream. He's not yeah. kidding. No, that's no. a real thing. That's a real thing. You, got, I just, thing. you do that at home alone and just... I've done it and not sent the video out. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Yeah. You were I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, there have been times where like the video just didn't work, so I'm like, I did all this for nothing. <laughs> oh my God. A lot of shaving cream for a little payoff. That's he right. He just yeah. Did, did, did you at least shave? No, he no, just, I no. It off. No, he just wears it to bed. Yeah. Just <laughs> 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 like nothing was there. He just lives his life until it's gone. <laughs> Yeah. I'd be like, I'd be like, no, keep the five thousand dollars. Do you have any Barbasol? <laughs> okay. There's, there's a little. <laughs> there's always a little left right here. For yeah. yeah, always. Uh, you know, you be- Barbasol means beard son in Spanish. Really? What? Yeah. What'd you say? <laughs> no, I was Barbasol. That means, <laughs> that means <laughs> I go to Chipotle. I'm like, can I have the Barbasol? Like, did you guys on? know? Did you guys know that that in French, Shia LaBeouf means shit the beef. <laughs> yeah, that's because exactly what he is. It's like yeah, he's he's a bunch of beef shits. Yeah, you can't laugh at that. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for offering up your material and uh, giving you. your giving your Thursday night from the International Space Station. <laughs>
<laughs> from my kitchen. At ease, gentlemen. At ease, because guess what? No matter how dark it can be, there's always a way to laugh at that. Ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Yeah, and, and, and we have a way for you at home to make $5,000. <laughs> if you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right, bye.